So I've been asked to, suggested to respond to some questions. So we'll see how it goes. And if there are any more that uh, come up, then please, when I've concluded the written stuff, or is it something I say in the written stuff that isn't, when I respond to it, you know, we've finished that particular topic and people they think it's not clear or, or it leads to something else, then please mention it. Like, could you say that again or was that bit me? Because it's sometimes the language or the references aren't always immediately familiar to people, you know. So I want to make it useful. <laughs> could you talk about how any calm developed in relative seclusion such as in a long retreat can be used in daily life in quote unquote worldly situations well you can look at that or respond in a couple of ways but uh, obviously uh, why do we why make the mind calm because it becomes more able to focus, it becomes less um, congested perhaps, carrying less uh, agitation and uh, contamination, so it's it's lighter, it's more open, it's more more capable actually, calm mind. So then of course it's something that is a great benefit in anything we do. But you also got to uh, bear in mind that the calm itself can be something that we need to understand more fully as well. Life isn't calm. You know, it's uh, speedy, random, not rhythmic. It's jolting. It's jarring. It's uh, so you can't really expect to have that medium available. And it could cause quite a lot of stress and suffering to even make that particular mode of the, um, say, the secluded retreat something that is by itself the main thing. Now, it's it's a medium in order to shake out some of the, our wrong views, our negative uh, reactivities, our sense of aversion to ourselves or you know all kinds of hindrances and defilements it's here to shake those out you know this you can because you can feel them and see how it how you you don't need to carry them you've got a medium that can dispense with that and that's so through through wise understanding so the calming process just helps you to see more clearly perhaps where suffering arises, how unnecessary suffering arises, how we how something in our mind is quite tight or or uh, numb or reactive. When you come out of that, then a mind that's clearer of all that is again both exceptionally uh, fruitful, but also even more important less prone to picking up the hindrances that quote-unquote worldly situations provoke such as frenzy 
panic, over-urgency, greed, things that excite us. Get one of these, you'll be good, you know, commodification of life. Um, Indifference towards other people. Sensing oneself as constantly some kind of like isolated cube in a world of so what, you know. These are the gross uh, and um, defilements that occur. And so if we recognize that actually whatever the world throws at you, there is a possibility if you know through calm, if you know how your mind does get triggered by over-urgency, always planning, trying to get to the next thing, and you've really understood that and you remove that trigger, then the world doesn't get you the same way. You've seen the trigger of feeling you'll be happier if you get a little bit more of something. Greed, fascination with surf, superficial fascination with the surface of things. You know, glitter, shine, sheen, e- easy, 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 you know. You see that, then, then that also the world doesn't get you that way. You see the way the world isolates you and makes you so self-conscious into um, needing to be a success of some kind. I mean, these are like, you know, these aren't rock star success. It's just to, to feel you've got to have an answer for things and achieve things and get things going and become something and, you know, the productive life as such. And you see how well, no. Who's in the race? If you're in a race, you can't win it. Nobody ever wins that. So you see how these triggers occur, then you, and you've, you know, because they do it ingrained, and you've been able to remove those, or understand, at least understand them, so you're aware of them. You're aware of awareness when I get caught. Be careful. And you've got you develop some understanding how to acknowledge that, acknowledge the stress in it, see the underlying craving in one's mind uh, to be, to have, to become, to find, to you know, to be somebody. And you've also seen the pain of that, the unnecessary stress of that, and you've relinquished it. In fact, in the Four Noble Truths, then the world doesn't really get you in the same way. Now, I think it's perhaps the aim of a long retreat. Remember, retreats don't have to be always so calm. You know, they're not always calm, in my opinion. It's a nice idea, well, it's a nice idea, it's one of those myths. Um, perhaps it is for you, it's not for me. They're often um, quite uncalm. Because <laughs> you touch into areas of, of the mind which are not entirely resolved. And they're, they're, they say things. So, you know, it's to really understand triggering and uh, you know, getting, freeing oneself from that, freeing it up. Then the world is no longer worldly. See, worldly situations, you know, 
obviously the sights and sounds and people and things of this nature what makes it worldly is these very triggers greed, essentially greed aversion aversion to oneself, aversion to others uh, feeling unwanted, unneeded, lonely upset, depressed these are all forms of aversion, delusion concocting ideas about oneself or others clearing those then this world is not worldly it's just uh, occasions for uh, a relationship relating to and uh, uh, and then it's always something quite fruitful in it you know generally means oh, it's patience or, you know, it's a, we're asked something's asked of us you know, not in a demanding way but can you can you rise up can you show up for this yeah can you rise up can you show up for this and it's a, something that lifts us rather than a feeling of dragged in or weighed down by life that's where it gets worldly so calm yeah calm is as much a calm not so much necessary of a of a sustained gentle energetic rate but a calm of understanding you know calm of understanding a sobriety you could say of attitude which is not sombre but just Mm. suffering has to be understood but for sure you know most people are going to need to um, to to establish the four noble truths and most people need to spend some time definitely viveka you know unplugging from their activities and uh, stimulation movies me- media events occurrences so you do need to do that uh, periodically and you can either do that well beginning of the day end of the day but also during the day and it's just for like uh, a minute or two just to just to pull back and then in that case you begin to see not so much calm itself but the medium how you calm then it is an upaya a skillful means because basically whether you arrive at calm or not the medium of calming is going to be to come out of the mental whirlwind into the simplicity of the body so that's something because wherever we go it's here you carry that with you so it's not that you feel that calm but you actually are doing the process of calming whether it arrives there completely it's just that sense of the unplug here's the body Okay. feet on the ground, palms of the hands, relax fingers, drop the shoulders, relax the face quick scan through come out of your eyes come back a little bit from your face oh yeah you are in a way shifting your energy most people live in a very thin level of presence it can be popped like that you know you're kind of there and then it's just it's like a tissue because the energetic quality of it is so slender 
Whereas you develop the means of calming, embodiment, and your energetic presence is a lot richer. It means you've got something you can go into. You really feel as oh, that medium of oh, it's not just the blank space behind the jangle. <laughs> you know, you, you don't you've got a body, not just skin. You see what I mean? You mentioned using perception of space and having tried it and incorporated it, I find it very awesome and useful. Can you suggest ways of bringing perception of space for your experience? Bringing in perception of space or even other elements such as earth, water. You know, space is a rather mist medium so I don't know quite what you mean of bringing it in but it depends what you're doing if you're walking you're walking through space aren't you there's no space in front of you you can't walk <laughs> you know, you're stuck so just to walk means you come into say the front of your body and you feel that body moving through space now space doesn't feel like anything particularly because that's its nature it's the absence of pressure the absence of something pressing against you. So you begin to, you know, enhance the mind's receptivity, uh, not to just the immediate hit of sense contact, which is, of course, where we get attuned to, just the impact of sense contact. And so, you know, training in sense restraint, or turning down the sense contact so it's less intense less vivid less an issue less you know a definition of who we are what's going on then you you begin to appreciate qualities of space such as silences uh, emptiness uh, less to do less clutter in your room more room to breathe yeah this feels better than the, the cluttering than the accumulation so just training the mind to attune to that and similarly uh, in what we do everything you do has to have a beginning to it and an end to it it sort of starts and it finishes and again in training oneself you don't want to just be running from one thing to the next you want to be recognizing okay now you've just you know finished the washing up there's the space before rather than as you end get to the end of the washing up you're already planning going for a walk no 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 that may happen but training oneself just to let get to the end of one thing before you're planning the next thing <laughs> you know uh, it's kind of like this is very relatively coarse you could say and of course when you refine it then it can be as much as just well you know same in the kitchen you're chopping a carrot before you chop the carrot and it's just like chopping the carrot okay there's the onion but there was a space between one and the next where you can have that you know you don't have to be huge half an hour there's a sense which (laughs) (laughs) is actually with what it is and you see there, there that event is ending you know I have chopped the carrot that is done. Now, 
it has finished and there has to be a moment pick up the next thing or whatever it is so these micro spaces because it's not you're not asking space to be just infinite um, you know a long lasting so much as just an ongoing medium that mixes with everything that allows things to flow more freely it doesn't resist earth form presence activity vitality speech doesn't resist it it, ra- it includes it Similarly, when we speak, and pausing, not for hours, but just that sense of, mm-hmm. it's like you punctuate, and you listen. Uh, so it's increasing that, that faculty of mind, so it's not always adding new things and rushing on to the next thing. Uh, it's it's uh, much more, so it's a function of mindfulness, really. Well then, to, to receive, to receive space, to take it in, mm, because again, very often we tend to clip the endings of things. That's that another next thing. Just let it, let it really. And as you meditate more, if you're sitting quietly, just with yourself, then really allow things, thought processes, to trail away becoming more spacious because it's often in the endings of things where you get the insights where you really begin to understand something as it as it fades out oh that was the emotion that was always bothering me I didn't see that you know because as things deconstruct the often the surfaces of events come off or, or fade the underlying psychologies become revealed you know I was doing this out of the other letting it in oh wow I've been really pretty up to <coughs> didn't realise that yeah so and you need, need the space to, to let things unfold so then things will, will speak to you more clearly once you get that and your mind attunes to it then it, it sort of it will tend to naturally sense that medium, and particularly sense when it's lost, when I'm getting a little bit too full of myself, or too urgent, or too um, forceful, or too in a, you know in receptive. I'm not listening to people. Um, I'm planning too much. I'm not letting things be open and mysterious. Something's going wrong. I used to, yeah, you know, have a kind of a little axiom I kept in my mind is if I've got everything done today I probably haven't done the most important thing (laughs) (laughs) actually what was the point of getting things done anyway because when I get things done I'll have the space no you know you (laughs) you you lost it with that idea so I don't think things are ever done really life is always unfinished loose ends but then within that when you get the sense of space you feel quite that's okay you know it's uh, so there are ways we can contemplate space in in, in, uh, say the sensory world uh, 
the space around one's body, visual space, uh, tactile space, uh, space in your hands, space in, inside your mouth. You can linger on those as, as elements. You can notice pauses in events. You can create pauses in events, the flow of events. And uh, those are both uh, have an energetic effect and they tend to stop energy getting into a momentum and throwing you forward. They also um, lessen the uh, intensity of impact, which is often pretty helpful. But then ideally, there's a wisdom in there. You begin to realize that in those allowing, in attuning to space, you also begin to attune to finer or qualities of mind where un- deep understanding begins to express itself. Yeah. Now, particularly in terms of the mind, because without that cultivating those open moments in the mind, essentially what's happening is one is just running one's own story all the time in one's own programs it's only if you're allowing things space you begin to oh there's the it's it's, it's you you begin to see through that I notice how much uh, my mind is uh, concerned to try and get these <laughs> to make sense <laughs> 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 it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it makes sense in its own time. How much is up to me? I don't know. <laughs> I guess I seek response. <laughs> it's funny talking to people who don't talk back, you know. <laughs> They'd be there, right, wrong, yeah. <laughs> I understand it's the convention, but <laughs> it's some, sometimes one just wonders whether one's making any sense or just, <laughs> just rattling away. <laughs> Can you speak about any connection differences between sketching, drawing, and meditation? <laughs> well, because <laughs> they all involve. Uh, Various aspects of mind, you know, we generally have something, you know, we aim to do something, and then we, we follow it, we track it, we assess what's going on. That's meditation, isn't it? You know, you sense which your particular object of meditation, and you're putting effort into, is that right? Is that working okay? How's that? And then there's some assessment, and vitaka vichara. So those are quite normal functions of mind mm-hmm. so you can say they're in everything really but in sketching or drawing perhaps it's it's uh, depends it's best to be an amateur at everything including meditation <laughs> I imagine I certainly I've known people who are professional artists and uh their, their artwork is just uh, it's not contemplative at all it's often you know kind of like 
either just another thing you've got to do or uh, there isn't the ability to really feel a kind of a proper vichara process where you you know when you're actually assessing and feeling comfortable because there's always the driven perfectionism to render something perfect and so that's also the case in meditation so this is where it goes wrong when we aim for for perfect results and so art drawing like anything else it can have the same like meditation it's kind of the same trajectory the aiming to get the really wonderful thing done and as far as I think most artists are not content with what they've done because of that striving for the better and most meditators the same so it's good to be an amateur beginner's mind so occasionally I draw and what I do with it I use it uh, not to arrive at a particular image but just the experience relationship of the body the mind the eye the medium working together so there might be no particular chosen image to represent it's just to experience how the hand and the pen pencil paintbrush whatever how they operate and how they meet the paper or the canvas or whatever so you start to sense a relationship so in a way it's much more like almost a somatic exercise and then as you get into that then what comes out of that and then there might be a particular mood I would tend to um, draw or work from loosely speaking the heart something just sort of intuitive and what's a quality say of calm or of happiness or of whatever's going on and just um, what comes up as I start to move the hand in in relationship to the the paper and seeing images and colours arise what particular felt senses arise so I pick up that and I let that be received and let that begin to do continue so so the drawing starts to create itself yeah. start with something quite experimental and then what's the mood or the feeling that comes out of just doing that with your hand hand eye brush pencil paper coordination or something you know like what's a color often i use don't use color because it creates too much uh, just use simple chromatic black white thing so what's happening what's the feeling of that first of all it can be just kind of uncertain uh, random and then oh yeah something's coming up and that only for to understand it to start to follow the mood of that and let the body express that through the hand so I let generally hand uh, body heart the eye comes into it, the visual eye, but not much eye of an idea. Then, um, to me, that's helpful because it helps to loosen up sort of my linear 
ways of uh, thinking and approaching any particular activity. So linear means it's going to go a certain way as quickly as possible to get the desired result, goal orientation, to get to that particular place I want to be, which of course is just an idea in my mind. So it's very much program in the mind to arrive at a chosen result uh, as effectively as possible. That so that and so so I don't want to get out of that because the result is just a creation in my mind. And even if I do get anywhere near it, all I've done is just played mind games with myself. Yeah, so I come to something which is much more what is arising now not programmed not preconditioned not pre-imagined what's arising now can I follow the, can I follow that and follow it in a way that's receptive and responsive rather than pushing it one way or another way or even trying to understand it just receptive and responsive then I find that that definitely helps my attitude and approach to meditation so you know whatever we mean by that for me it's um, essentially change of change of mindset change of where we're coming from not going to another set of mental constructions that I do this to get to that that pattern is strong and compulsive I don't value it very highly I find it stressful and, and doesn't open into something unconditioned it just creates a condition, even it? And uh, if, if spiritual practice or my dumb practice is about anything, it's going to be coming off of, out of that conditioning process. So something that's got much more open, unchosen, and yet it's not, it's not inattentive, it's deeply attentive very thoroughly attentive and I can often see in a drawing particularly as I do it I, I look at that's the place where I started to get an idea and that, look at that I can still see it that's where I started to impose myself on it it was great there's a lovely kind of free-flowing place then I started to you know ah this is what it's about you know and I can actually see it on the paper where it happened and it's completely different and from it is just quite open and flowing and it starts to become constructed yeah. Yeah, I, I can see it and it, it's completely out of harmony with the rest of it so it's, it's useful I find a useful exercise you know, oh, that, yeah because I know I know what happened mm. I started again to doing me doing the drawing and then the whole quality of it changed so deeply attentive, receptive, responsive, so it's not that you're just, you know, daydreaming. 
mind has to be quite quiet to do that listening to the felt senses and then following just following and I think that's uh, that's beautiful my meditation sessions are often dense and laborious (laughs) how can I tune into the lighter energies of my body (laughs) body and the mind are not separate so when you say dense what makes it dense clearly it's the absence of space of some kind isn't it and why can one tune in? It seems, it seems, and I would only guess I'd probably need to check in with you. Not much really happening, but uh, I think one of the big topics of people is just the, the willpower, the will that tends to bun, tighten everything up. Um, in, loosely speaking, intention and attention and so they tend to constrict everything intention is too forceful too speedy trying to do too much doesn't allow things to open it's pushing things along attention is perhaps too narrow too rigid it's not flexible enough so things mental realm mental energy becomes um, dense laborious, heavy I think in the yama because of the dhammasangani, I believe it is in the abhidharma, there's this six sets of factors and each factor is divided into a bodily factor and a mental factor meaning they're really synonymous it's saying light of body, light of mind pliable in body, pliable in mind malleable in body, malleable in mind capable in body, capable in mind fit for work so it's a sense in which body and mind like a massaged effect they're now supple agile, dexterous they're not intense, heavy, pushy, forceful, laborious they're not, they're, they're gymnastic, they're not you know, construction worker. <laughs> yeah. So, so either of those. Now, what makes? What? How do you do that? When I say body and mind are not separate. Similarly, the the um, the remedies or the um, that I recommend. You can look at them from a bodily aspect. Well, simple thing is develop simple things developing things like qigong for example which definitely tune you into the subtle energies in your body because of the way we are activated our mind often our mental energy really activates only certain areas of our body largely the face head shoulders and maybe the hands so you get a lot of energy up here and it's associated with doing, making things happen there's a lot of going on up here head, eyes particularly and a lot really gets quite intense there and then of course one meditates from there because this is where we've, we've located our, our, our doingness from here 
sort of energy doing this you can't do something with your mind which doesn't affect your body the way you use your mind is going to affect your body because the mind cannot operate without the body to back it up to think even requires a certain activation of the nerves right you can't you can't do it without without this body energy to back it up yeah so every intention sends some kind of ripple through the body through the body's energies and by and large what occurs with people is certain pathways you could say get extremely well trodden pathway up into your head through your eyes is so well trodden everything rushes through that pathway so all those channels are extremely overcrowded and activated and in a way our awareness doesn't know any any other place to go because that one's become inhabited rest of the body not well very very rarely or sort of perfunctorily this makes things very dense and you can detect it once you detect it's dense you're referring to what a certain quality of energy so we have to get the whole body down to the soles of the feet palms of the hands say it again and uh, the more you can build that up the more your awareness your chitta knows there's other places to go uh, that are fruitful that are relevant that are in fact extremely helpful and it begins to travel those pathways by and large you have to um, I would suggest being aware of this sensory description of the body particularly the visual one and if you, you kind of carry it and keep imagining it when you think of your body you, you get this visual or quasi-visual impression of your body that is always going to be prone to the same kind of effects same you know, so you have to forget that and what do you really feel in terms of your body what tells you your what so if you see the body expression just as the experience of location location here what does how does that manifest what's the direct experience of here that's not a sound or a sight or an idea the direct experience of here that is embodied the only thing that tells you gives you location is your body and you may not think it's your body because it's not the thing you see with your eyes (laughs) but that's where the energy is it's in that and it's not clearly it's not a, a fixed shape like the visual thing is relatively fixed that immediate direct experience of embodiment is not a fixed shape it's a general sense of presence with a certain centrality to it certain vitality to it maybe even in particular some areas are stronger than others it's not always even but it's not the visual thing then if you cultivate breathing 
with that it begins to even that that quality that quality begins to even out and it's it's by itself it is just fine it's exactly the right fit <laughs> it's not dense and it's not flaccid it's exactly right because that's what in a way you are not you know not self but that's your that's your basic birthright that's what you that's what got you born there it is it's exactly the right shape size not dense it's exactly right now you compare that to your what experiences when you open your eyes and you start doing things and boom, <laughs> you know you're up here and there's a world out there and it's a very 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 different experience and so we've got to go back to that and um, if you start to use the map of one of those elements earth air fire water tracking those those properties those qualities and then just what is breathing like in that how is breathing experienced something rhythmic flowing certain pulse to it it's an energy too so it's not the anatomical breath it's not the breath that you could imagine nose lungs those are not mentioned in teachings the canon they're not in they're not there there's no lungs there's no nose in the canon it's just a sense of body a sense of breathing why don't you just keep it like that and keep wiping out those other impressions and you'll arrive at energy and the energies will begin to come to harmony but in this we must realize that it's that particular dimension that will and the quality of what happens to your awareness as you bear that in mind those will do the work now if you bear that that experience of presence in mind here presence there's no pressure in presence there's no have to get this done in presence because presence is always here it has no achievement no result no future there's no result in it it doesn't need a result <laughs> there can be stress in it you know and yet just hold bearing that in presence and in the wholeness of it that's what allows stress to relax so your process practice is always coming from where you feel these imbalances and density is one of them into where that imbalance recedes now again when you experience a, a problem such as in, in intensity you know, or denseness or a compactness of the mind very often the response will be how do I get rid of that why can I stop being that way how can I stop being so intense I should learn to relax and take it easier doesn't work <laughs> you know, if I could just be with this whole relaxed open presence I'd be okay doesn't work because you actually the quality of presence always is that when you start to welcome 
you know, whatever it is. And so I just, okay, this is how I feel, really tight and constricted, fine. Now let's see if I can just let that soak run through the entirety of my, of my body, in my embodiment. Not only what I see with my eyes, there's a sense of being here. Can that sense of tight constriction just really open to that and let that radiate through my through the entirety of my form? Oh, it's not there anymore. Instead, there's a sense of radiance. Uh, oh. The only if you localize something as an object that you favor or disfavor that you find as an obstacle, you localize it, there's that problem there. That's where it remains that same way. And you'll set up a relationship which is always aversive and frustrated. Cannot heal anything. Quality of heart, remember, mind is not separate from body, so any mental intention to try and push things away, that's going to affect on your body. And the effect of it will ramp up the tension. Yeah. Create more pressure. So quality of heart, only thing it knows how to do is to open and embrace. That's its quality. So that sense, what does that energy do by itself? It radiates, releases at an energetic level. This is something we have to you know, keep coming back to because the program, whenever something unpleasant, most immediate response, however subtle, cunning, however quietly worded it is, get rid of that. <laughs> Don't want that. So, you know, that would be a, probably be a first first move. You know, shouldn't be here. This is a problem, how to avoid it. And of course, what we're recommending is you translate that into a particular energy, a dense one. The person's already done that. If it was very dense, um, laborious, fine. You've got, now it's come down to an energetic thing. Now, can you feel a sense of being here and extend that sense to as much as you can to everything that is capable of sensing quality of sentience itself so there's both what is sensed agitation frustration there's that but there's also the capacity to sense something I'm able to be sensitive to ill will, uh, frustration, disappointment. Uh, what is it that can be sensitive to that? Then we're coming into consciousness, widening consciousness, widening, deepening body consciousness. Okay. Uh, and that's what begins to shift your focus from the level to the experience of the feeling and this um, frustrated relationship into a much more capacity to be receptive and a relationship that is void of stress. Things lighten up. 
because the energy has found a place where it can find its level. This is um, this sense of what I call a field. I sense it is a very important um, form. You do it with your body, but also because it's 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 both present, but, it, but also we can avoid it. We can forget it every day. So you do things that, like for example, standard thing at the beginning of the day, you recollect. Where's the field? What do I belong to? How am I in? Mm. Yeah, see, we have a shrine, you have puja. What is the movement of that? It's always just setting up the field, isn't it? Honouring the field. You're not trying to make anything happen. You just want to honour and respect the field. It's like, I've entered the field. And with Buddha Dhamma Sangha. So let's reopen that. And what is that mind? What is that it does that? That's hard, isn't it? Take it a little further. Well, generally, I, because I live in a relational field. I think we all do, but, you know, so I generally spend some time just recollecting people in my relational field. People I'm in touch with, connected to, evolve with, care for. And just... There's her, there's him, there's those. It's a kind of love, but it's not exactly that. It's just I'm available. Not trying to make anything happen or feel if I feel uh, I've got to try and do something or affect something. No, it's just being present with uh, other beings in my field it's being seen I think this is very helpful because a lot of our life we are living with other people we have to it's part of our life it's part of our hope of our joy and our our learning Um, and so often there's a kind of uh, a conundrum about practice and other people isn't it retreat I do retreat, even though every retreat's got 40 people on it, I'd like them not to be there. I'd like them just to shut up and be quiet. Not, also, I don't want to be seen by them or see them. <laughs> you know, a miserable state of mind to be in. You know. What do you think? You know, how do you... <laughs> because one's living in, you know, in an afflictive relational field. So, and it's not that you have to, you know, so practicing together and being aware, even just kind of gently, gently aware of other people, and I don't have to do anything about that. There's nothing asked of me in that, it's just to show up, be present, and you feel the nervousness or the agitation, just keep relaxing it. What if you were thinking of me? It just doesn't matter. Because the only thing that matters is what you're doing in your heart. When you give power to fear, anxiety, ill will, craving, comparing, contrasting, that's what matters. And nobody else is doing that. Or if they do, that's their issue. Your issue is 
what do you what does your mind set up once you experience yourself in a context of other people now, it could be a place of feeling this gentle sense of belonging companionship you know I'm real I'm not in the void uh, which is a kind of soft quality of love just a gentle quality of love and belonging and that means they don't even they can be physically present or absent but dwelling in that I think one of the one of the um, things that many of us are, are um, hindered by is 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 self-consciousness we tend to experience the self just living in here and the self-consciousness which is our societies tend to bring up performance driven goal-oriented uh, competition uh, being judged by others so that's our relational field <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's still a relational field, but you want to get out of that one because it's it's a it's it's a death trap, really. Yeah, and you can't. So as long as you stay in that, you are therefore always going to be in that little tight ball of, you know, me trying to get together to achieve results where I feel feel good enough. And it's it, 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 you're always con- you're compacted in that self self construction. And you can only, you know, you've got to keep releasing that, both in this body sense, in, if you like, your living situation, if you feel self-conscious. Where's that from? You know, what's happening? Can, is it possible just to, you know, know that and where that's coming from? Projections? Hmm? And so this, I think, is really important to do as, as a deliberate con- contemplative exercise. It's not just social harmony we're looking at, it's something much deeper than that. It's not just getting on, being cooperative in a group. It's about coming out of the billiard ball of self, where you're just this tiny little bunch, little clump, <laughs> into something that's... It doesn't have to go anywhere. You know? You belong, you're here, you're in presence. That's, that's already wonderful. So different ways of working with that. And I uh, hope some of it becomes available for you. I've spoken to the silence. <laughs> the silence got anything to say? Regarding <laughs> <laughs> the first, first uh, item, um, how does the like in a in a in a retreat situation? I find um, your habit patterns are not tested very much, so the buttons doesn't get pressed. Whereas in a in an environment that you have come from, have these patterns and and they get pressed easily. Yeah. So what do you? How many comments to make on that? I think, um, thank you, yeah. You're probably not talking in theory, are you? (laughs) 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 So you might have an awareness of a few of those little uh, triggering points. 
and it's quite good on retreat to even return to those imagine yeah uh, the urgency of things or the difficult relationship or whatever it is and just what happens here so you, you, it's like you vaccinate yeah. and you review I think particularly it's, it's important I would suggest for all of if you have a chance to retreat one important thing about it is a chance to reset like actually whenever I do that in my life I always get up doing that get into that state again I think it's time to just stop doing that all together <laughs> you know renunciation of some kind you know I just what am I doing this for I've been doing this for 20 years it's it seemed like a good idea it's not working uh, why don't I stop doing it what, what is it why do I have to keep this thing going so it's good to to review one's um, life momentums on retreat and check in how many of them are worth keep going uh, do they need to be reset does some of them need to be dismantled altogether where are you going in your life you're going to die what's important uh, where are your true values can you use this life as a chance to once you've entered into the place of your truth you want to bring that forth and live it and enjoy it and offer it uh, you don't want to just be wasting your time going up into dead ends uh, it's a chance to reset one's life momentum um, I think this is something to to, to do both look at things of kind of like as, as, as even particular functions but then the messages that I carry of how I do a function like oh it's up to me I've got to do it and, well is that really true yeah you know how many of one's um, one's life messages have this sense of a very limited I do this and it gets to that rather than well I'm open to this and we'll see where it goes or practice with this um, you might notice particular mental states that are associated with how you act uh, and you might if you look at the list of the ten parami for example you might consider well this is a chance where I could cultivate a little more patience because I get very hasty this is a chance to develop more kindness towards myself because I get very self-critical there's a chance to develop goodwill towards people I find difficult and make that the priority so resetting uh, I think that's an important part of retreat you come into retreat generally all kinds of wheels are turning and your first day or week or however long it is retreat is just coming out of the spin of those things well don't come out too quick really get a view of what they are about because those are the ones you're going to be going out on <laughs> you're going to be picking them up again at the end of the retreat so 
really, what were you in? Where did, where did you where did you get to when you came on the retreat? What was the result? What you were doing? Can you learn something from that? Yeah, don't forget it because those that's the kind of thing you're going to be doing when you get off the retreat. There's the results of it. Time to reset. Um, Maranusati, contemplation of death, is always useful. Who do you think? Who do you think you are? You know, whatever you think you are, that isn't going to be. That isn't going to last. <laughs> you know, we get so uh, identified with our 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 roles and positions and functions and strategies. Well, what? Well, that's going to go, isn't it? What was really important here in all this? Yeah, so retreat can also be a chance when you you use that reflection. Yeah, there was that wish for goodwill. There was that wish to be honourable. That wish to serve. The uh, you know there's something very beautiful in us. Something very beautiful in us. Yeah. Why don't I just really value that? And you know, if what I'm doing takes me away from that, I'm really, you know, miss, missing, missing the point. My whole life. So what I mean, the, the calm. I call it a calm of sobriety of just really knowing look this is the important bit there's no way I can fit the world the world has to fit me because you know when I die the world will go rolling on completely oblivious to my existence (laughs) you know I can't I can't be led by that. So the world has to fit me, because then I can bring forth what's really valuable. I don't think it means you have to be serene all the time or just gentle, you know, you can be quite vigorous, impassioned, but you know what you're doing and you know that. There's things that would be good to happen that aren't going to happen because they're not, you're not within your reach. But you know, focus what's within your reach, what's within your values, what's within your capacity, and then your life is not wasted. Often people are just struggling with doing things they, they cannot get results in. Like trying to, I call it, trying to iron out the waves of the sea, <laughs> trying to sweep the sand off the beach. <laughs> a lot of effort, a lot of <laughs> missed the point. So those are. I hope any of that is useful. Certainly, resetting and pruning and adjusting what one's doing who one's associating with, 
coming out of the worldly messages, remember you can never get it all done according to the world. Buddha says it's called world because you get world around it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll take leave close for the evening. Hope something's been useful. Sadhu Karam Badama Se Sadhu Sadhu Sadhu